Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Monday edition of the show. I'll tell you why I'm so mad in just a minute. Because I am steaming, angry, furious, mad today. And I have been since Saturday. Maybe that gives you a clue of why I'm so mad. I also am having a bit of a conundrum and it's, it may interrupt the show. So I have to tell you about it because it could possibly interrupt the show and you need to know why the show is going to be interrupted by this situation that I have going. So let me tell you about the situation before I get to the blog because it could all go down right now. So the Q's phone broke last week. And, you know, we have insurance because I'm not stupid. I'm not going to give a very expensive phone to a 14-year-old and not buy insurance. So we have insurance. And I called to make an insurance claim. And they're like, sure, no problem. But when, when, when you guys uh, get the replacement, you have to be there. You have to be there to sign for the package. Okay. Chuck's out of town until tonight. So I waited the whole week. I, I, the lady said, oh, it'll be there the next day. So you just, you call us and you let us know when you want to do it and you pay the deductible and then we're going to send it. It'll be there the next day. So Friday morning, first thing, 6 a.m., I pay the deductible and guess when it's going to be here? Not Saturday. No, not Saturday. It's going to be here today. It's supposed to be here between now and 1230. Well, am I home to sign for the package? No, I am not, but I have enlisted the help of my neighbor. But here's what's going to happen. The guy's going to ring the doorbell. My ring doorbell camera is going to you know, notify me on my phone, at which point I'm going to have to say to the driver, hang on a minute. My neighbor's coming to sign for it. And then I got to text my neighbor really fast. And I'm going to have to do this while I'm on the air because it's going to get there before 1230. Except I don't know that it's going to get there before 1230 because FedEx's tracking sucks. And I can't tell because their map feature is not working to show me where the truck is to let me know exactly when that's happening. But that's not even why I'm mad. That's just a minor inconvenience that could get in our way of our time together. I'm mad about Florida State University being totally jacked by the absolutely fake garbage college football playoff committee. And now A-Rod is trying to justify it like a jackass. This is insane. And you think I'm mad today? You should have seen me on Saturday. I was raving around my house like a lunatic. So angry that an undefeated team and the championship of a Power Five conference who won the ACC championship with a third string quarterback who had never taken a snap in a college game before. They would have gotten their second string quarterback this week. He was in concussion protocols this past week, but he would have been back for this game and they didn't even give him a chance and they all suck and the whole system is rigged for the, for the SEC and they would have never let a playoff happen without Alabama, even though Alabama lost a game. It's absolute trash, just trash. And I am beyond furious, beyond furious. I mean, wow. And A-Rod's like, no, they're not one of the best teams in the country. Well, they freaking keep winning, don't they? Even with, without their starting quarterback, they, they just keep winning. They just keep winning. This is what's wrong with college football. 
Well, this is what I'm saying. We're but, in total agreement on this. But this the committee's is how jacked for the it, SEC, and I hate every single one of them. This is how it is. And I hope they get a bad rash, and it never goes away. I did not think that they would have it in them to do this. I definitely thought they would have still had Florida State in at four. But they got it right. It's just not. So it, Florida State deserves to be in there. College football teams don't let an important player get hurt because A Rod will decide you're not good enough to be in the college football playoff. A Rod will, and so will the entire mm-hmm. college football playoff committee. Well, they completely undermine their entire system. Everything, every rule they've written, every garbage piece of crap they put down on paper, they crapped all over it on Saturday, and I'm furious. Ironically, and I know you don't like it. Ironically, the exact opposite is what's true. Mm-hmm. It's because the college football playoff is to find the four best teams. And when you would put a team in at the four spot, that would be a two-touchdown underdog to any of the other three that they would play. So now it's That's only teams. Okay, so so you're t- telling me that all these college playoff games have been super close. They've all been right there of course close they together. We're talking about college football. Oh, wait a minute. So wait, none of those lower teams should have been able to get in there because they weren't expected. They couldn't hang with the big dog, you're right? Make, you're, you're making what the argument just, that we're supposed to know what's going to happen. To Alabama. Let's just forget about college football. Every year, Alabama is the champion, and we just call it a day. They're always there That's for a reason. That's what they want. They're always because one of the they best buy teams. Their players. Because everyone, they pay people to come pay play at Alabama. Mandy, come everyone on, everyone buys their knows. players now. Yeah, everyone. Ex- except the teams the that can't get away with it, like everybody else, except Alabama. Got to be the best in recruiting. Recruiting now, or NIL cheating. is just a part of it. Or cheat. Or hey, let's just talk about Michigan. Michigan's coach is suspended for the rest of the season. Oh, if they win after the fact, there's yeah. a very likely chance that they take it away. Oh, that's, well, not, mm. that's not a conversation the college football playoff can have right now. It's not finding out who are the four most deserving based on so how they played you right. you can cheat and get in there, but then later we'll take it away. But you can win all of your games, including the ACC championship. But we're not going to give you a chance for you to actually win it outright. Because we've decided a bunch of fat, stupid sports jackasses decided that they weren't good enough because they didn't beat everybody by enough because their third-string quarterback barely got it done when their defense was dominating in the ACC championship. You know, the committee is a bunch of individuals who, like, are, like, tied to these colleges and have college football experience. It doesn't make any You don't think that difference. they didn't think about putting themselves in that those shoes no, they of, didn't, of Norvell they and the entire it. Florida State team? Or they wouldn't have done it. They absolutely wouldn't have done it. It's about money. It's about giving Alabama a chance to play for the championship again because the entire system is skewed for the SEC because the jackass who used to run the SEC created this whole monster. It's absolutely, they were never going to let it happen without an SEC team in there. Is Alabama a better team than Florida State? And no, the answer is according yes. to the scoreboard, the answer is no. That's- they have one loss. Florida State has no loss. Let me be very clear again. This are this is an added reason why I am typically not a college football fan. But the way that it is, they got it right. I don't agree, or nor am I happy about it. I think it's terrible mm-hmm. for Florida State. I really think it's terrible for Florida State. Yep. But unfortunately, you lose your quarterback, and they haven't been impressive all year. They they've gotten it done in the win column. That. Unfortunately, sadly, is not what college football in the college football playoff is about. It's about finding the four best teams. Absolutely. And they pathetic. got it. Well, then right. why do you even have rankings? Why do we pretend like the rankings all season long matter? Why do we pretend strength of schedule rankings matter? Why do we pretend any of that matters if the committee is just going to randomly choose four that they think are the best at the end of the year? That's not random. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Florida State's not one of the four best teams. 
Based on what? Based on how they currently stand without their starting quarterback. But they just won a ACC championship with a third-string quarterback, a true Louisville. freshman who had they were ranked. Louisville was ranked, and they weren't impressive. Oh God. Okay, so if you're not impressed, Alabama A-Rod, just beat a team that hadn't lost out. in hundreds and hundreds of days. Yeah. They well, deserve to be number four. It's okay. not right. It's but they it's got terrible. it right. It's absolutely terrible. Anyway, let's talk about what's on the blog. I'll wait for the FedEx guy to uh, ring my doorbell, which will interrupt the show. It's going to be one of those kind of Mondays. And if anybody else says that um, Florida State doesn't deserve to be in there, um, I'm going to punch you. I can't punch A-Rod because then I'd get fired. I learned that from Peter Boyles. So I can't punch my producer or choke him. So A-Rod's immune. But anybody else, you can punch yourself in the face. That's I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. Here's what you can find the blog, though, where, by the way, you can find a long and compelling argument by the Florida State Athletic Director. If you'd like to read it, find the blog at mandysblog.com. That's mandysblog.com. Look for the headline that says 12-4-23 blog. DCSD board has a new president, plus no cops for Denver. Click on that, and here are the headlines you will find within. Good evening, Mr. Mrs. North and South American. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press flat. Today on the blog, the new school board president pops in today. The Denver Metro can't hire cops. An interesting schism in the Democratic Party. The Colorado GOP is empowering the hard left. Florida State got robbed and the college playoff is rigged. Should childbirth be free? Denver saw home prices decline 5%. The mayor is staffing homeless hotels with volunteers. Companies are dropping college degree requirements. Why your Excel bill keeps going up. The Gazette endorses a primary opponent of Lauren Boebert. Husky sympathy is the best kind of sympathy. Could Paxlovid be the cure for the dog mystery illness? This kid may be my spirit animal. Why is it okay to chant for the slaughter of Jews? I love this touchdown celebration. The accurate guide to baby gift giving. Disney World is getting rid of lines. Macaulay Culkin getting a star on the Walk of Fame is so sweet. A fun Christmas game for the family. No more right on red. The trailer for Godzilla Times Kong is here. And those are the headlines on the blog at mandysblog.com. And you can always text us on the Common Spirit Health text line 56690. Unless you are going to text and agree with A-Rod, in which case I will block you from ever being able to text us again. That's where I am today. Oh, we're shutting down That's opposing where I, oh, opinions. Yes, we're sh- I'm, I'm going totalitarian on this. Full dictator right now. Full dictator. Strength of schedule matters. Yes, that's right. If you go look at ESPN strength of schedule, Florida State's number four. Just saying. Go look at it. Go look it, at it. And against that strength, mm-hmm. how did they fare? They won all 13 games. Winning every is not single one of them. Thing that you know, when you look at wins and loss column, there's a W on the one side and mm-hmm. L on the other side. And on Florida State's under the W, it has 13. Under the L's, it has zero. Guess where that you matters? You know what else it says? No, nowhere else. No, no, nowhere it, else. It matters in everything except college football. Yeah. Uh, Georgia is a better team than Texas, so should Georgia be in and Texas be out? Georgia lost a very big game. But they're better. They're a better team than Texas. I actually agree with this take from our texter. They're a better team than Texas. Texas had a garbage schedule. Talk about somebody who didn't beat anybody. So should why isn't Georgia in and Texas not in? Because if it's just the better team, A-Rod, which is what you're saying, then Georgia should be in and uh, and and, you know, Texas should be out, but here we are. So it's not consistent, your whole plan there. Your little scheme. Your little bit of nonsense. It's 
The good old college football player. Alabama sucks, says this texter, and that is the text of the day. But they continue. It took a miracle Hail Mary to beat a crappy Auburn team two games ago. Correct. Correct. Just saying. I got to move on. I can't talk about this anymore because I'm making the voice hurt. Um, by the way, a lot of people are agreeing. Mandy, your FedEx package will probably require a direct signature or DSR, which means that the signature must come for the... Pro oh, no. Yeah, that's unfortunate. No, no, no. I've got to look and make sure. Pretty sure that's correct. Oh, come on. If it is, I'm going to be so mad. Indirect signature required. Indirect. Indirect signature. We're fine. We are A-OK. -okay. We, are, we are cooking with gas on that. Nothing else is happening. Thank you. Appreciate you, texter. For giving me that minor heart attack, but at least I know what is going on. Uh, Mandy, it's why you need to pick an FS, FCS. What is an FCS? Is that college lower, football? Lower division. No, I don't, I don't care that much about that. I follow Florida State and Louisville, and now I follow the Buffs. But I'm not, I, I cannot pretend to be a true Buffs fan. I, I have been enjoying this season, especially watching the sort of how things are going, but I haven't been to a Buffs game yet. You I went, feel like once you go to a Buffs game, then I'm a Buffs fan. You went to just Florida State, right? Yeah, you were I a went to Florida State, and then I I lived in Louisville for three years, and we went to a lot of games. So you're a four-year alum of FSU? Like you I am a four-year, did not graduate okay. from FSU. You're to still be clear. former Seminole. Yeah, I am a former Seminole. And, and grew up in Florida, grew up, my dad was a Seminole fan, my mom was a Gator, it was a mixed marriage. But um, grew up, you know, going to Florida State games, and, and Florida State is my team. Was there for the glory years of the 90s. With is, every, is everyone in your time. community feel the same way? No. Oh, God, no. Uh, oh, in, in the forest. Oh, God, yes. Are yeah. you kidding me? I'm afraid to call my friend Greg because I don't know what he'd say. I, I'm afraid it might have given him a heart attack. Yeah, I don't think we can call any of him on the air. That's for sure. You know what? We should. Probably shouldn't. No, we should. That might be good. Just don't. put your finger on the dump button. Let's call him. Let's we call have, him. We only have so much dump. No, let's, we'll call him. We'll call oh, him today. No, it'll be good. I'll text him on the break and tell him we're going to call him. Because, um, yeah, let's just say no Florida State fan is like, you know what? We lost our quarterback, and the other teams were just they were just so much better. Nobody's saying that. Quarterback's important. Uh, Mandy, had Alabama lost their star quarterback and then continued undefeated despite that, the media would say it would prove how good they are. Correct, John in Pueblo. Correct. Incorrect. Correct. He's absolutely freaking right. Absolutely right. Because teams have gone and won a national championship with a backup quarterback. It has happened. It has absolutely happened. Uh, by the way, this texter said, Mandy, did you tell Q about being the Wizard of Oz? I cannot convey how hard the eye roll was from the Q nice. when I said that. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't make the se like se seismograph thing go off. Because it was that crazy. Okay, I promise I'm not going to talk about all this. I, I just don't. I'm not going to, not going to, I can't. I'm moving on. I'm going to talk about something else. Okay, coming up at 1 o'clock today, uh, we're going to do a quick interview with the new Douglas County School Board President, Christy Williams. Mike Peterson, the old school board president, he and I had a conversation this past weekend. He got a really tremendous opportunity for his business that required a move out of state. So he stepped down. Uh, he's moving out of state. And Christy has been elevated. And we're just going to do a quick chat with her today about kind of what the what what she hopes to accomplish and and you know how the board is going to operate as while she is president so it's been a little bit of uh you know um, some tumult under mike peterson's leadership i still like mike and i think he did a lot of good things even though he did them wrong 
Um, and Corey Wise had to go, and he's gone. And Aaron Kane is doing a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic job as superintendent, I think. And so we're going to check in with Christy. And then a little bit later in the show, I have a column today by Dick Wadhams. Uh, he's a longtime GOP operative. And Dick has a column today that pretty much mirrors the comments that I had last week about the current state of the Colorado Republican Party. It is an absolute mess. It's such a mess that I've been contemplating going back to the Republican Party and actually getting involved. And just especially in Douglas County, I'm so irritated about the way the uh, teachers, uh, the school board election went. And Megan Silverthorne, who I've always liked, uh, has a column out today. And I've just realized I forgot to put it on the blog. I'll make sure I go back and do that. Where she kind of gives the party side of what happened. But I'm here to tell you, I don't care about inter-party politics. I don't care. I truly don't. I just wanted to get people elected to the school board that would keep the majority in the next election cycle. And now I'm pretty sure that the Douglas County School Board is up for grabs for the teachers union in the next election cycle as well. Mandy, I, I just want to throw this out. Hang on one second. Um, Mandy, one team or diggers. Can we do just give a little shout out to School of Mines right now? You do know where I went to school, right? I know, but School of Mines is going for the championship. They made no it through the semifinals. Chance. Oh, wait our, a minute. That's our rival. Hey, Rob, they're the best team. I mean, really, it's all about being the best team, right? Who's your biggest rival? Florida. Yeah, you're still going to give ever get a shout out to him? Talking to a Metro um, State Roadrunner right here. No chance in hell I'm ever going to have shout out to well, It's all about mines. the best. It's just being the best team. And we don't I even mean, have, just, you know, and we don't even have a football team. team. It's just about the big, the best team, A-Rod. It's fine. We don't even have a football it's team. It's fine. We just beat the hell it's out of their basketball team. It's A-OK. They just have the best team. No, they're doing really well. And UCCS. More, 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 or, uh, more, or. There we go. No. More, or, diggers. Oh, we lost you. Oh, the yeah. Uh, Mandy, do you think that the Republicans have it together anywhere? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. There has to be pockets somewhere in the country. There has to be. I, I, I just... I can't believe that the entire party everywhere is in complete disarray. I, I just, I don't know. I do not know. But I'm going to talk to Dick Wadhams later, and I would uh, we're going to kind of talk about his column, which basically says the same thing I do, which is that the current state of the Colorado GOP is empowering the hard left. And they are. This is why we got Prop HH light, right? Because there was no political repercussions that were going to be required of, 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 of Democrats when they passed this crap sandwich. Because they know the Republican Party is an absolute mess and all they're talking, stolen election, let's look back at 2020 instead of looking forward to solve the myriad problems that Colorado has. You know, can we do that? Offering real solutions to some of these problems. And boy, how, howdy. Oh, Columbine beat Cherry Creek. What? Wow, that is a rare loss for our colleague Dave Logan. But you know what? He'll reboot, reload, and come back next year. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Oh, good luck to everyone that has to play them next exactly. year. Exactly. Anywho, um, when we get back, I, I've got a column. I read this um, this guy's substack called The Liberal Patriot. And he definitely sits on the left side of the aisle. But he has this really good ability to sort of step back from the party that he supports, which is the Democratic Party, and really look at some of the issues that are plaguing the Democratic Party. And, uh, and when we get back, I want to talk about his latest column, and it's called Class Conflict, Conflict and the Democratic Party. And it's about a significant schism that, from my perspective, 
is an opportunity for the Republican Party if they can figure out a way to take advantage of it. So we'll do that next. Uh, first, I, is Ben doing the news today? Kathy, I, she's. we may have Ben doing the news today for us, our new guy. Looking forward to that. We're going to do that next. Keep it right here on KOA. Really? Really? This is, this is what you're going to do? This is what you're going to rejoin with? No. 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 I turned it off. I made it stop. I have the button over here, too. You can turn it on. I'll, oh, he took my button away from me. That's not nice. Of course, Alabama was going to be in there because the whole system is rigged. Anyway, I texted my friend to see if he'll come on the show. I'll wait and see if he comes back, if, if, if he responds yet. I do want to share something that has nothing to do with sports so my blood pressure can come down because I found this column this morning very, very interesting. It's from a Substack column, uh, columnist called The Liberal Patriot. He definitely leans left. As a matter of fact, I'm assuming it's a he. It is a he. Musa Algarbi is his name. And Musi, he's a sociologist. So uh, Musa has a really good ability to sort of step back from the party that he aligns with, which is the Democratic Party, and, and see where the issues that need, to, um, that need to be addressed are coming from. And this column is a perfect example of that. And I want to share part of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, so settle in. Uh, the biggest divide in American politics at the present is not along the lines of socioeconomic status, nor educational attainment, nor area type, urban, suburban, small town, rural, nor sex and gender. Although these factors all serve as important proxies for the distinction that matters most. The key schism that lies at the heart of dysfunction within the Democratic Party and the U.S. political system more broadly is between professionals associated with knowledge economies in uh, industries and those who feel themselves to be the losers in the knowledge economy, including a growing number of working class and non-white voters. Two decades ago, sociologist Jeff Monza and Clem Brooks observed that, quote, professionals have moved from being the most Republican class in the 1950s to the second most Democratic class by the late 1980s and the most Democratic class in 1996. This consolidation has only grown even more pronounced in the intervening years, as professionals have increasingly clustered on the Democratic Party. Moreover, they've grown increasingly progressive, particularly on cultural issues surrounding sexuality, race, gender, environmentalism, and especially when compared with blue-collar workers. Federal Election Commission campaign contribution data provides stark insights into just how strongly knowledge economy professionals have aligned themselves with the Democratic Party in recent cycles. In 2016, roughly 9 out of 10 political donations from those who work as activists or in the arts, academia, and journalism were given to Democrats. Similarly, Democrats received around 80% of donations from workers involved in research, entertainment, nonprofit, and science. They also received more than two-thirds of donations from those in information technology, law, engineering, public relations, or civil service jobs. Among industries that skewed Democratic, the party's highest total contributions came from lawyers and law firms, environmental political action committees, nonprofits, the education sector, the entertainment sector, consulting, and publishing. 
Similar patterns held in 2020. The occupations and employers with the largest number of workers who donated to the Biden-Harris campaign included teachers, educators and professors, lawyers, medical and psychiatric professionals, people who work in advertising, communications and entertainment, consultants, human resources professionals and administrators, architects and designers, IT specialists and engineers. Industries that provided the highest total contributions to the Democrats included securities and investment, education, lawyers and law firms, health professionals, nonprofits, electronics companies, business services, entertainment and civil service. Geographically speaking, Democratic votes in 2020 were tightly clustered in major cities and college towns where knowledge economy professionals live and work. And outside those zones, it was largely a sea of red. Now, that's the first part where they kind of lay out how controlled by the knowledge economy the Democratic Party really is. And here's where it gets interesting. He then goes on to point out that people in the knowledge economy tend to be wealthier. They tend to be your upper middle class, upper class, your one percenters, but they don't perceive themselves to be that way. And he uses Occupy Wall Street as an example. Occupy Wall Street was overwhelmingly white. It was overwhelmingly liberal. And it was overwhelmingly, not overwhelmingly, but a good bit of people that were college educated. Now, these are people who are making money and getting rich from the very system that they thought they were going to tear down. But the reality is they don't view themselves as the 1%. They don't view themselves as part of the problem, except for people on the other end of the socioeconomic spectrum, the blue collar workers who didn't go to college, the, 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 the you know, entry level retail workers who, who don't make a lot of money, people who are in mining, people who are in farming, all of these blue collar professions they have a completely different set of values than the people in the knowledge economy. A great example is this. People in the knowledge economy uh, disproportionately are supportive of immigration, globalization, automation, and artificial intelligence. Well, whose jobs are they going to replace? They're going to replace the people at the other end of the economic spectrum. The other end of the economic spectrum, the working class men and women, they used to be the backbone of the Democratic Party. And now the backbone of the Democratic Party is perfectly fine with them being replaced with cheap labor flowing in over the southern border, with automation that can do entry-level jobs very easily, and with artificial intelligence that can put all of them out of work. People in the knowledge economy don't assume that artificial intelligence is going to put them out of a job. It assumes their job is going to become easier because of artificial intelligence. So you have the people who are donating the most and therefore those who have the most influence in the Democratic Party who are advocating for positions that are completely at odds with people at the other end of the socioeconomic spectrum. Now, it's really interesting because... Um, Elites in the Republican Party tend to be significantly more liberal culturally and symbolically than the rest of the GOP, yet more dogmatic about free markets. Meanwhile, Democratic-aligned elites tend to be significantly more left on cultural and symbolic issues than most Democrats, but tend to be much warmer on markets. The pri and this is, this is the critical part for me of this entire story. The primary difference between Democratic and Republican elites seems to lie in how they rank free markets relative to cultural liberalism. 
Those who prioritize free markets tend to align with Republicans, while those who prioritize cultural liberalism align with Democrats. So, but they're essentially interchangeable. One of the things he doesn't get into in this column that I think is an important undertone is that the people that are running the Democratic Party have the, have the advantage of being able to have luxury beliefs. Luxury beliefs are those beliefs that seem like a good idea but are not adhered to by the same elites who champion them. One of them is the devaluation of marriage, right? Um, it's very, it's very, in, you know, hip to kind of say, oh, marriage is an outdated concept. Marriage is a, is a construct of the patriarchy. Marriage is all these negative things. Well, you know who stays married? Rich Democrats. You know who doesn't get married? Poor people on the other end of the spectrum. So rich Democrats talk about how marriage is a, a, an integrated, um, a construct of the patriarchy while remaining married. And poor people who buy into this stupidity are the ones not getting married or getting divorced and living in poverty because now they're supporting children that they aren't living with and, and being married multiple times and having to support multiple families. Those are luxury beliefs. And I think the, the concept of luxury beliefs is, luxury beliefs is, you know what? We need all the immigration we can get. I need my house cleaned inexpensively. I need someone to mow my lawn. And by gosh, by golly, I can't find an American to do that for a reasonable amount of money, except now you're putting people out of work and you're creating jobs that are so unappealing to Americans because they pay so little that you've created a permanent underclass of immigrants who are willing to accept a standard, a lower standard of living here because the standard of living back in Guatemala is so much worse. It's a luxury belief. It's, it's a fascinating column. I would strongly urge you to read the entire thing. Because he goes into how education affects ideology, and it's no, it's no wonder that uh, the, high, the more educated you are, the more likely to be left-wing you are. And what's interesting about this is that the more educated people are, the less they are able to correctly identify their own political belief system. It's fascinating. It's really, really, really fascinating. It's long, but you know, it's not, it's not war and peace, but it, it's a long blog. But it's fascinating to me that people are able to look at the Democratic Party and see this schism, but the Republican Party can't seem to capitalize on it. From the blog today at mandysblog.com, which is where you can find a link to the column that I was just referencing. This is very, very interesting. Companies are increasingly dropping the requirement for a college degree. Now, let's be real. This is in response to a very tight labor market, but I think this is long overdue. The question that I have is whether or not colleges are going to respond. Because, I, you know, we have these conversations with my daughter. Sure, I'd like her to go to college if she wants to have a job that requires some sort of, you know, professional certification. Oh, you want to be an engineer? Okay, great. Go to college. Go become an engineer. You want to do something that requires some kind of, you know, higher level of education? Great. But if you're going to college to be an English major because you want to be a writer, then don't waste your time. Take writing workshops instead and go into the workforce and find a job that you enjoy. Now, listen to this. Nearly half of U.S. companies intend to eliminate bachelor's degree requirements for some job positions in the next year. And 55% said they'd already eliminated degree requirements this year. 
That, according to a survey of 800 U.S. employers carried out in November, Walmart, IBM, Accenture, Bank of America, and Google have already announced similar policies. For example, Accenture launched an apprenticeship program in 2016 through which it has hired 1,200 people. Some 80% of those people joined the company without a four-year degree. Now, if you are in an entry-level position in any large corporation, I, I for the most part, unless you are in uh, an accounting department of a bank and you need to know specifically uh, traditional accounting procedures and, and how to correctly maintain and manage the books in accounting, um, then yeah, maybe you need a degree, but do you really? Do you really? Because now everything is online, right? Everything is essentially we're using some kind of computer program in order to manage things. My oldest son works for a company called Toast. And Toast, if you've been to a restaurant lately where the server stands with a little handheld device and types in your order as you're ordering right there, they're, they're just typing on a little thing here. That is m probably more often than not made by Toast. Toast does point of sale for restaurants and it allows you to enter the order standing at the table. So you've now cut out one step where you have to walk over to some other machine to enter in your order or walk into the kitchen and drop off a ticket. And every time I go into a restaurant now that doesn't have toast, I'm like, what are they doing? I love Texas Roadhouse. We eat at Texas Roadhouse a lot. But they're still writing down orders. And I'm like, what are you doing, Texas Roadhouse? Why don't you have this point of sale system? Because we're rapidly reaching a point where there is a, there's some kind of app for everything, right? There's some kind of app for everything we do. So do you really need to know or do you need someone to stand there for a few weeks and tell you where to enter things into which column? I love the fact that they are doing away with bachelor degree requirements for some of these companies because if you have applied for a job online and you don't have a bachelor's degree, a friend of mine just went through this. She has 30 years experience, 30 years experience in her field, but she doesn't have a degree. And she couldn't get through the first round because she was getting kicked out because she doesn't have a bachelor's. She did finally go find a company that she is loving working for because they didn't have that requirement. It's like, wait a minute, show me what you've done. Because let's be real. Nobody even asks you. At this stage of my life, no one, I, I always try to clarify because I don't ever want somebody to come back later and say, she lied about graduating from college. It's not that I, I wear my dropping out of college like a badge of honor. It's just important to me for people to know that I'm not trying to misrepresent myself as a college graduate from the great Florida State University, which was just locked out unfairly of the college football playoff. But that's neither here nor there right now. But there are a lot of jobs that I'm perfectly capable of doing right now because of my skill set and because I've been doing this for so long that I may not be able to get an interview for because I don't have that college degree. And that's sad. That's really sad. It's good news, though. So we'll see. Uh, this is from Walmart, by the time, by the way. Walmart eliminated college degrees as a requirement for hundreds of its corporate roles, saying it would get rid of, quote, unnecessary barriers that prevent career advancement. It said job applicants would start seeing updated job descriptions next year. In particular, it said it will waive the need for a university degree if candidates can show they have gained the necessary skills through alternative prior experience. The blog post said at Walmart, 
While degrees should be a part of the equation and in some cases even required, there are many roles where a degree is simply unnecessary, including at corporate headquarters. Here's the question. Do colleges respond by trying to rein in their insane costs? I doubt it. I doubt it. We'll be back with Douglas County School Board President for a couple of minutes, Christy Williams, after this. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second hour of the show. I'm your host, Mandy Connell, joined by Anthony Rodriguez. We call him A-Rod, and now... We're going to talk for just a few minutes to the new board president of Douglas County Schools, Christy Williams. Christy, uh, or should I say Madam President, welcome to the show. Uh, you have now been elevated to the position of president after the resignation of Mike Peterson, who is now moving out of state. I had a great conversation with Mike over the weekend, and uh, we chatted for a little bit, and um, he's got some exciting opportunities that I don't blame him for taking. But this means you're in charge. So what does the board look like under a President Christy Williams tenure? Well, first I would like to say that um, either way we would have had new officer elections last week just because bringing on new members and nominations, um, there's always a new election for president. So um, that would have happened regardless. But, you know, I'm, I think that with Mike stepping down, it's really giving opportunity for um, myself to kind of, I think I've, sometimes fallen under i'm i'm one with mike and this will give me an opportunity to really lead and um try to find common goals with all members of the board so that we can make good decisions for our students and staff you know the the board we've boy it's been a it's not as bad as dps okay so there's there's something to, for that right there but there's been some tumult um under mike's tenure i i believe that the correct things were done if they maybe should have been done differently i think that's the best way to say it you are now going to be dealing with two new board members and one returning board member that do not align ideologically with the conservative majority. How are you planning to sort of work to bring everybody together on the issues that maybe there is commonality while trying to manage the areas where there isn't commonality? Sure. I mean, I think that obviously everybody that sits on the board in my opinion has has the right reasons to be there despite our very vast uh vastly different opinions on whatever issue we might be looking at so really my hope is that we can look at uh the common goal at the end like what do we want at the end and then just figure out how to collaborate and navigate that to to get there understanding that you know, not every vote is going to be a 7-0 vote. Um, but our biggest new new challenge is to really look at bringing in another board member. We have to fill, obviously, Mike's vacancy, right. which after we accept that, um, we have to accept his resignation at an upcoming meeting and then start a 60-day clock for us to, to bring in a new a new member. So that will be one of the first things that we have to, to hit together as a, as a new board. Um, are there any issues? Obviously, 5A passed, 5B did not. What does the failure of 5B mean in terms of what the board is looking at next year? Yeah, so um, actually this week we have a board retreat where all six of us will sit down, and that's one of the things on the agenda to talk about is what are we going to do now with 5B? Obviously, we have maintenance expenditures that are very large for a district. 
um, that is our size. So trying to figure out how we're going to navigate that, how we can appropriate funds, and possibly, you know, what do we do this, this coming fall? Uh, is there anything that you would like people who may not be familiar with you to know about your uh, what you bring to the table as president? Sure. I mean, I think that we as a district need to really start focusing on a lot of the, the positives that we're doing, right, so that we can continue to move forward. One of the things that I feel like I've done over the last two years is really just stay away from the noise. Obviously, it can get loud at times, but I really try to just stay back and away from that so that I can focus on what's at hand. And really, that's putting our kids in the center of each decision that I make. And we've done a lot of really great things. You know, if I mean, with 5A, obviously, getting our teachers more money um, is, is a very, very big win for, for Douglas County. But also looking at what we've done in CTE and the demands that we have for that are only growing. So getting that career and technical education, you know, uh, more recognized and more out there. I think uh, we we need to be good about educating our entire community on all of the offerings that we have in that area. Uh, Christy Williams with Douglas County Schools. I appreciate you making time. I really just wanted to touch base and say congratulations. And I hope that um, under your leadership, we can see the rough edges be smoothed out in the district and, and maybe we can work together to make sure that all of our kids have the same incredible educational opportunities that Douglas County is is known for. That would be nice. So I'm looking for my hope as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to your tenure and I appreciate you making time today. Thanks, Mandy. I appreciate the time. All right, thanks. That's Christy Williams, the new board president of Douglas County Schools. And now we're moving on. I want to continue the the thought on the article that I shared at the end of the last hour if you're just joining me. Companies are starting to do away with degree requirements. And this is incredibly interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it seems to indicate that companies have realized that not every college education is worth it and not every college degree is a value. Now, anyone who is in charge of hiring for a major corporation will tell you that for a very long time, College degrees were viewed as mostly proof that you were able to follow through, proof that you were able to complete a four-year program, even if it took you five years. But it, it locked out a lot of people who maybe dropped out of college because they couldn't afford it. Or they dropped out of college for a variety of reasons. They had to go to work to support a family or a myriad of things that, that could have gone on. And a lot of people have been locked out of bigger opportunities because of those requirements. So my question, I have two questions about this that I want to ask you guys, and you can text in at 56690. First question is this, number one, does it really matter? I mean, it, in, if you are in a highly skilled technical job, if you are an engineer or a doctor or something along those lines, of course it matters in, in that respect. But if you're if you are someone going to work for a huge financial services organization as a call service employee with an eye towards moving up into financial services or any of that, does it matter? Does it matter at all? I would say no. But then my second question that I have is, do you feel like the people who are now millennials and older Gen, uh, Gen Z who came out of college with staggering debt, 
and and really have had to suffer because of that college degree that they went and got for and paid for with loans, and now they're still paying them back and they're going to be paying them back until they're 50. When they take over, when they're in charge, do they treat people without a college degree with the same level of respect that they treat someone with a college degree? I don't know if they do. There's a level of snobbery there that is it exists around people with a college degree. You see it in the dating pool. There are a lot of women because women now out men, uh, outnumber men in college. I think it's like 60% of college students are, are women, 40% are men. You have a lot of educated women out there who now say they can't find a mate because men don't have a college degree, which I, I got to tell you, I think is absurd. I mean, I, I just think that's such a limiting factor. And I never hear men say that. Men never say, well, I could never date someone without a college degree. I mean, some men do. But those aren't the kind of men I want to date anyway, you know. But women say that. Women say, "Well, there's no. I don't want to. I don't want to marry down." As if you, if you don't have a college degree, somehow you're you're going to end up, you know, living on Skid Row. Now, for the longest time, if you didn't have a college degree, you were limiting your options. But now, especially in a world where there's so much entrepreneurship going on. I just think it's not as important as it used to be, especially as I honestly believe college degrees have gotten watered down. Some of these college degrees that people are getting, you're like, what are you thinking? And as a former theater major, trust me, I know. I know. I'm not just casting stones in a glass house. My house got shattered a long time ago when it came to useless college degrees. Okay? A hundred percent. Mandy, I dropped out of college because I was dumb as a bag of hammers. Okay, that's one reason to drop out of college. It it does matter having a degree. Wait a minute. Indicates majority. What? Okay, if that person has a college degree, they need to learn how to type better. I'm just saying, well, I have college degrees. One of them, a graduate degree and in highly scientific mathematical disciplines. I am automatically eliminated from consideration for many positions also because of my education, but not the lack thereof. Now what? Bet you never considered that. I am ready, willing, and able, but old and undesirable. Now, that is a whole, that's a horse of a different color. When you're told you're overqualified. And by the way, that's just ageism most of the time. All of my friends that have lost their jobs after 50 and then can't get another job, that's the reason that, well, you're just overqualified. You're overqualified. And a lot of times people are like, look, I've worked in an industry that has sucked the joy out of my life for 35 years. I want to completely change. I'll start at the bottom again. I don't care. I just want to do something different. And they're told, no, 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 you have, the, you have a master's degree. We can't hire you for this other job that's unrelated because you have a master's degree in this other thing that you hate and don't want to do anymore. Ageism is a huge problem. Like I could probably do three hours on that. And ageism is a shame. It's shameful. It is absolutely shameful that people don't want to hire people because guess what? People over 50 do, they, they show up on time, they don't quit in six months, they don't complain about long hours, they just work and do the job. The good news is, is that I think Gen Z and their absolute horror when it comes to working a full-time job is actually going to benefit older people and make us look even more appealing. Because for every A-Rod... There's a dingbat girl on TikTok literally crying about having to work nine uh, to five. No, you didn't just throw me in a Gen Z. I just said for every TikTok, for every A-Rod, there is a. 
I was using you as the counterbalance. Oh, I take it, it back. It was a compliment. Thanks. It sounded like a dig. No. I had to make sure. I was using you as the good example as I pointed to the bad example. Thank you. See? If you were listening. I was. Okay. That's why I was like, wait, hold on. Mm -mm. I don't think high school is teaching the right life skills for one proper English. That is that is absolutely true. 100%. Do you know, and I mentioned this briefly the other day when I was talking to a guest, there are actual colleges that are having conversation classes. I actually thought about starting a club at my daughter's school, but she and all of her friends have conversations just fine. Convo club. Well, because these young people going to college, they cannot speak to a real human being. It is something they do not know how to do. And I'm thinking to myself, your parents failed you. Your parents absolutely failed you. I mean, good God. I can't even imagine. Cannot even imagine. Do parents today have to fight against the norm of that being okay? Because it seems like parents have to work so much harder to get their kids to fit in into these the social structure of being able to communicate I, like the norm is the easy route where yeah just stay on your phone do whatever you don't need to communicate with I, the anybody. problem so, is is that a lot of parents are just on their phones and so it, it drives me and don't get me wrong you guys every parent does it every once in a while you just you hit your limit and you're like you know what iPad sweetie, babysitter. here's the ipad we've all done it but whenever i see a kid in a grocery store with an ipad it is so upsetting to me because, honestly, the grocery store is an embarrassment of riches for communicating with your child. And, and I mean, it is just, it is like the most miraculous place. You can talk about colors and you can talk about shapes. And it's adorable when kids talk to other people in the grocery store. I think it's the cutest thing ever. And, and when you just put an iPad in front of the kid, but there are too many parents who are on their phones all the time. And I know I've been guilty of this. I, it's something I struggle with and I work on and I try uh, you know, I try really hard, but it's it's something that we've all the technology leapt beyond our ability to manage it. And what I think is really sad when you see kids that if they can't have their phones, they are completely at a loss as to what to do. Completely at a loss. That's why we've always let the queue be bored. You know, there's maybe been three times in her entire life, and I'm not exaggerating, that she came up to me and said, Mom, I'm bored. And this is how I responded. Well, you can go clean the bathroom or mop the kitchen floor. And I just start listing things that need to be cleaned. Amazingly, she finds something to do. And she still, to this day, can entertain herself. Which is why, like with the boys, when the boys were young, and now they're men, when they were young, if they did something bad, we could take away their screens, right? And that was, oh, that was terrible. No TV, no video games, none of that. That was awful punishment. For her, she goes in and writes a short story or goes in and rearranges her, her bedroom. And it re or, I mean, she's just a different kid. It's hard to punish a kid like that. Kind of run out of stuff to take away. You're not allowed to, you, you can't be creative. Exactly. Today. exactly. No creativity. Yeah, no pens for you. I see you thinking. Yeah, stop it. Stop that imagination. Stop it right now. But I, I think that not being able to have a conversation is such a, a detrimental thing. And I realize that some people are introverted, some people are extro extroverted. I know you guys don't believe me when I say this, but I am an, an extroverted introvert. Naturally, my natural position is quiet. I don't like to be the center of attention. I do not like to be like when I'm not at work. You can ask Chuck. Well, you know, Chuck. Do I need to talk when Chuck's around? No, I do no. not. He's way more chatty than I am. He's way more social than I am. So when we go places, 
He's talking to everybody, and I'm just, I'm hanging back. Perfectly fine to observe. So I understand the stress of having a conversation, but let me tell you something. Even if you're an introvert, you have to learn the skill. You have to learn the art. Even though you want to control how often it happens, you still have to know how to do it. And that's one thing I credit my parents with. Uh, my parents both, I mean, my father taught me how to shake a hand properly when I was like six years old. No, like A-Rod, the whole like stand there, stand up straight, look them in the eye, grip their hand, but don't crush their hand and say, nice to meet you while you're looking them in the eye straight in the face. See, that's the thing I'm not as upset about now because now you need to know how to properly bro depth because nothing can make you seem more out of sorts if you inappropriately or incorrectly bro dap. I'm not a bro dapper. I'm a hugger or I'm a handshaker, depending on the situation and who I'm talking to. I don't know if it's just a guy thing. I think it is, but I'm telling you, and I, 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 I'm just going to admit this. When I come across someone that bro daps terribly, I, I do judge them. And I'm not even kidding. So we need to get the Brodap on camera. Yes. Like we need to get a video of the Brodap because I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of sure what it is, but I'm also not totally sure what it is. You have to go with the flow. So I don't know. You have to read the other dapper and Brodap them as they Brodap you. So it's almost like a dance, really. It really it's is. Like you're, no, but who's leading? Is it the first person who goes in for the Brodap is leading the yes. dap? Yes, okay. because they set the tone, they set the force level. Gotcha. And this sounds really dumb, but I, I'm being totally serious. I really do kind of like when you get an uncomfortable one or if they they go for a handshake and you go for the fist bump and then you both switch and then you both get it wrong and then someone grabs another <laughs> fist and you're just like, oh, God. You just reminded me of a really funny situation I found myself in one time. So I was meeting a new client. This wasn't in Denver. This was in a different market. And the salesperson says, look. This guy's great. He's super nice, but he will try and kiss you on the mouth. Like that is his I'm thing. Sorry? That is his thing. He'll like come in and she's like, you've got to be ready for it. So I meet the guy, A-Rod, I'm going to show you this. So I'm standing there. He he walks towards me and I, I stuck my hand, my arm like straight out into his chest, like with the handshake. I was like, you know, I'm a handshaker. That's what I do. It was, he looked at me and was like, oh, no. And he was super, super nice. I mean, but it was just like one of those weird things. Yeah, he would kiss you on the lips, given the opportunity. Yikes. And I was like, nope, we're not, that's not Canceled. a thing that's happening. No, we're not doing that. Nope, not a thing. I do like the European, you know, kiss on the, the cheek thing. I do like that. I feel fancy every time I get to do that. Like, mwah, mwah. And his, it's air kiss. Hispanic family, I'm, I'm used to that. I like it. I yeah. think it's festive. Do they still do that after COVID? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Brodap is a handshake and a hug together. So a half hug handshake. It's a hybrid. A hybro. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, the, 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 the kiss on the cheek, I'm cool. Wife's family does that. Yeah. Um, this person says the exact right thing. The family dinner is where, where you learn conversation. And the family dinner is so important. And it is probably when we have the best conversations about stuff. Do you guys have a one? I know you try to do it more often than this, but do you guys do a dedicated one night a week for sure? No, like because we, we do dinner at the table, although lately we've been watching The Mentalist during dinner. But we do dinner Great at the table. Show. It is so good. We're working through it now with Q. So we're in season six. So we're almost done. Uh, but both Chuck and I have conversations with her all the time. About stuff. I, I finally learned, because I didn't grow up with a very communicative family when it came to per, interpersonal matters. We just didn't talk about stuff. And I finally realized that all of the stuff I'm nervous talking about, she doesn't, she's not nervous at all. Like, you know, we talk about interpersonal relationships and what it means when 
you know, you give, you, you exchange numbers with someone and they don't save your number, but you save theirs. We just had this conversation. I'm like, look, if they don't save your number, then they, you were not important enough for them to think, I'm going to save this number. It doesn't mean that they think you're a horrible person, but don't waste time, you know, trying to, trying to impress that person. Go with the people that did save your number. You know, you got friends that did save your numbers. So don't worry about the ones that didn't. So we just had that conversation the other day. It's like never miss an opportunity to impart a life lesson to your children. Because that time, man, it goes fast. I mean, really fast. I cannot believe she's 14 years old now. I still, I just cannot believe. And your parents say that all the time. And if you're listening and you don't have kids yet, or you're not planning on having kids or whatever, whatever your deal is, the time between like birth and 14, in some days, it feels like it's never going to end. But when you get to 14, it feels like it lasted 10 minutes. And all you can remember are the funny things and the good stuff and the nightmares of being pooped on. I mean, you just, it's amazing how parenthood sort of softens the harsh edges as you get through it. It's pretty amazing. It really, truly is amazing. I'm very grateful I got to be a parent. Very, very grateful. We'll be back after the news, traffic, and weather. We are back. Many of you hitting up the Common Spirit Health text line. Uh, hey, Mandy, love the show. Mental health therapist here. And I can express I cannot express how correct you are about the next generation. 20 years working with teens in therapy. And in the last five years, the amount of correcting language that I do is significantly up. Kids are always shocked when I do, but not because they think it's mean, mostly because they've never encountered an adult that does and tells them why. Like, I hanged out with my friends versus I hung out with my friends. Y'all, that kind of stuff makes me crazy. 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 Uh, Mandy, Toast is more than just handheld computers. There are regular terminals also. Now, I'm not sure if I can believe things that you said because you're inaccurate somewhat on this. But the people that I'm talking to don't see the other terminals. They only see the waiter there typing on the little machine. So why complicate the conversation, persnickety texter? Mandy, I've done a ton of reflecting on my daughter growing up. She graduates this year from school, and I am not, whoops, and I'm not sure how the hell I got to this point. It was only yesterday she was five years old showing me her dress for the first day of school. I never understood when my father used to say, remember as much as you can, because it goes by in the blink of an eye, and now I 100% understand and wish I could remember more. This person says, we did a lot of topics there in the last segment. This person says, Mandy, I agree about the age factor in being hired. I'm 55. I too have a bachelor's, but it's been difficult to even get a basic hourly paying job because I'm overqualified. So I took a job with a company in a similar field, but now I've worked myself out of a job in three weeks. I've been so productive that I did three months worth of work in that time. I'm now being told that I'm going to be laid off because they no longer have enough work to keep me busy. I was on time and even driving to Colorado Springs daily. Ugh. Any ideas? Tony V. You know, I, this is what I don't understand. I, this, you don't want somebody who's going to work circles around everybody else? Just letting you know. Mandy, my job as a parent is to make my son into a functional adult by the time he's 18. God, I wish that was true. I just, I wish kids were functional adults at 18 these days, but they're just not. 
It's just not. Mandy, I married a man 17 years my senior. His job when I met him was a custodian. He had been a long-distance horse rider, rode, uh, wait, what? Hang on. Dagnabbit. Hang on one second, you guys. It just, it just updated, and now I can't find it again. Oh, here we go. I had been a long-distance horse rider, rode motorcycles, camped, and could fix anything, especially cars. He was funny and sentimental, and I miss him every day. College couldn't have made him the man he was. Only life could do that. He was a whiz with numbers. He probably could have been a math specialist. Here we go. Mandy, a lot of companies are looking for people with good character, ethics, and morals. And once hired, the company will pay for the specific training needed to fulfill the job. That from Matt. Mandy, I'm a nurse, and these young positions coming out of medical school, young physicians coming out of medical school, have no idea how to talk to a patient, especially elderly patients. It's frightening. You know, one of the things that's wrong with medical school, and I've never been to medical school, but I know this is wrong, there's not even a rotation in geriatrics in many medical schools. And geriatrics is incredibly important because that's a lot of the people that you're going to be dealing with. And medications affect the elderly different, different illnesses affect the elderly different, and just talking to elderly people and making them feel heard. So, but I got to tell you, I, I've had some lousy doctors that were older too that didn't know how to talk to patients. Um, oh, hey, uh, A-Rod, go to number 22 on the text line. Grab her information. I want to talk to her um, on there. It says, from Cindy, you got that? Grab her information. We're going to give her a call after we talk to uh, Dick Wadhams at one. All right, two. When are we talking to Dick? We're talking to him at two. So uh, actually, give, we'll give her a call and talk to her at the end of this hour. Cindy, if you're listening, just uh, we'll give you a call about 154. We'll get in that last, or 148, we'll get in that last segment with her. There's an interesting protest happening tomorrow at a Douglas County meeting I want you guys to know about. Mandy, would you rather hire a recent grad or a four-year vet just out of the military? The veteran, 100%. 100%. Because I know they have discipline. I know they understand how to be a team player. I know, that, well, assuming they were honorably discharged. I know that they have skills in uh, dealing with different situations and dealing with people from every single background in life. Far more hireable in my mind, 100%. My dad left school after the eighth grade and died a multimillionaire, says this texter. He used to say, anyone can stay in school. I wouldn't recommend that per se. BS in geology, self-employed, taking care of hot tubs, make more money than ever. There you go. There you go. Um, Mandy, I, let me see here. Mandy, just an FYI, I think the bro dap became very popular during COVID because everybody was afraid to touch each other. So people were afraid to shake hands. Oh, no. No, no. but the bro dap, no, ta they're on. talking about the knuckle bump. Yeah, not the bro dap. Brodap includes a handshake. It's like more than a handshake. Yes. Right? It's really close with someone. Like there's an embrace at the end. It's nice. Yeah. When uh, done right. Mandy, listen to interviews with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. How many times they say, you know, it's unbelievable they've gotten this far and used the word crutch every other word. Word crutches are very common. And, and I'll be perfectly frank. If you recorded yourself, a vast majority of people, maybe not you text her. But if you record yourself throughout the entire day, everyone has some thing 
that they rely on we and affectation. Be a little fair about the players and the coaches, though, because they're always constantly thinking about PR, player speak, Correct. coach speak. It's not that they how are this is going to land Correct. for the opposition. There's Correct. a lot going. It's kind of like a politician. Yeah, it's a crutch because they're thinking about what right. they're saying before they're saying it. It's, ac it, it's actually an art form. It, re it really is. So the you know is a, a bit of a, a, an intentional film. But it, people do that anyway. When yeah. I first got into radio, it was one of those things that they have a reason though. <laughs> I had well, yeah, but I I had to really work on that. I can't remember what my verbal crutch was, but it was significant. My producer in college always told me that my word was always obviously. The word obviously. Obviously. Do you hear me say it anymore? Because I worked on it for a long time. I don't know. I'll find out. Okay. Because oh, I worked, I'll he would tell out. me almost every day. It was so funny. Um, if you're overqualified, just dumb down your resume. Yeah, you can do that. But, I mean, how do you explain a 30-year gap in your resume when you were the uh, principal partner at a major firm for something? You know, it's like you got to kind of let your experience shine a little bit. A little bit. My dad said he was giving the, me the best gift at graduation. It was the door of opportunity. Open it and don't come back. <laughs> Amen to that. I think the public school system is failing kids, not teaching life skills that would translate to 70% of jobs. Teach kids how to be critical thinkers, charismatic and respectful and responsible, and they would be good employees. Thinking a degree makes you a good employee is one of the biggest lies of the last 30 years. Let me, let me say this about teaching critical thinking. This is what every school district says they're doing now, but the problem is they're not giving kids a foundation of factual information from which to springboard into critical thinking. You cannot expect a kindergartner who doesn't have any framework for, say, about a circus elephant, right? An elephant. We'll just make it an elephant. If you, if you tell a kindergartner to think critically about an elephant, they don't know enough about an elephant to be critically thinking about anything. What we need to do is make sure that kids have a great educational foundation and then in high school you begin critical thinking skills because they have a foundation from which to critically think from. That's been one of my frustrations. It's, kids think that they are much smarter than they are. They don't realize that there's an entire world of information that they don't know yet. And part of it can only be learned through life experience. You know, all the kids right now that are freaking out about global warming, it's easy for me to sit at 54 and say, you know, some skepticism is worthy here because we've done this dance before. We've absolutely, in my lifetime, we were going to have an age of global cooling. We were all going to freeze to death in the ice age. We've seen this dance. We know how it turns out. So we're able to look at it with more skepticism instead of getting caught up in the hype and the scare tactics and everything else around it. And guess what? In 30 years, all of these 20-year-olds who are completely freaked out because the world they think is going to end because that's what the government is telling them are going to look back with the same level of skepticism while their kids look at them and say, I can't believe you don't believe in global warming. That's so crazy. And by the way, to be clear, I do believe in global warming. I'm just not sure it's our fault. weighing in on our uh, Common Spirit Health text line. I wanted to give Cindy a call uh, real quick. Do that really quickly. We're going to get on a woman who reached out to me and this is kind of inside baseball for people who work out or, or don't live in Douglas County. But Douglas County's commission is made up of three commissioners, George Teal, Abe Layden, and Laura Thomas. And I've never had an issue with Abe Layden. I've never had any interactions with George Teal to form an opinion. 
but uh, Laura Thomas has always been very straightforward with me. We are not friends. We don't hang out outside of work. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't braid each other's hair. But I have a lot of respect for her because in my dealings with her as a talk show host, when she would come on the show to talk about something and she would say, oh, can I see the documentation? She would always forward it to me. And she has been under attack by the other two commissioners relentlessly, ridiculously, and spending taxpayer dollars to do so with investigation after investigation that always comes up with nothing. And now the citizens are fighting back. Cindy, welcome to the show. Tell me what's going on at tomorrow's meeting. Yeah, thanks, Mandy, for having me on your show. You know, I've never called in to talk radio before. I follow a lot of the local events going on. I usually um, participate by going to rallies and stuff, but you rarely will hear me speak. But this is different. I've just had it. I'm so fed up. I've been following this all year. We've been getting these defamatory postcards in the mail. Um, Laura's gotten her credit card removed, so she can't even do county business on a business credit card. They're not reimbursing her personal expenses. They're suing her and countersuiting her. It's just insane. Anyway, this year I've spoken up at meetings four times and not one thing has happened. So we decided, I decided, that it was time to bring more folks in. And so we're going to do a citizen protest tomorrow um, at 1.30 during the Board of Commissioners business meeting. And anyone who wants to show up who's interested and speak or at least be there, we, we would love to have you. Um, no, it's, no let me ask you this question, Cindy. You, you're obviously involved in paying attention to this stuff. You, you're doing this because you believe Laura has been treated unfairly? Oh, my gosh. It's been unbelievable. It, she's been bullied. She's been removed from committees that she's served on for many years. She's taken from the chair of the board. She's been removed from the chair of the board of commissioners. It's just going on and on and on. So, again, um, I've never seen anything like it. I don't even know what to say about it. It's just something really has to change. And what I learned is that there's no oversight for George and Abe. It's only the citizens. And so that's why I decided to initiate a larger citizen protest. And I think we're going to have a good turnout tomorrow. Maybe I could come on after the show in a few days and let you know how it went. That'd be great. um, yeah, we just really need to to step up and support Laura and get this thing turned around. It's it's just it's so petty and ridiculous and honestly small to me. This this the the sort of relentless uh, attacks on her when none of them have been found to to have merit and it's personal. It's 100% personal. It is a vendetta by George and Abe. I think it has to do with the fact that there are things that are being bandied about, especially with the RWR water project that Abe and, and uh, George don't want to have questions asked about. And exactly. I'm glad Laura's there to ask these questions and they should all be responsive to the questions that are being asked and yet they're not. And so thank other, you. Oh, go ahead. Yes. The other thing is that um, we've become a locking, lock, laughing stock in the state of Colorado. And we've always been a predominantly conservative county. And we're just opening the door for other candidates from other parties to come in and get involved. And we would like to keep our county as conservative as we can. Well, I just want to have it work properly, right? Like, I just want to have a functional county commission that is working on the needs of the people 
instead of some personal vendetta and vindictiveness. That's that's what I'm hoping. I appreciate you guys doing this, Cindy. I appreciate you calling in. We'll look forward to an update later this week. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cindy. Yep. If you've got time, Douglas County residents, go ahead down there and make your voices heard. I would appreciate it. I'm going to be on the air, so I'll be here. Uh, we'll have to updates on that. When we get back, Dick Wadhams joins me, longtime GOP um, operative and a part of the GOP in Colorado. He is downright disgusted. I, I'm going to put those words in his mouth, but I'll ask him, and I think he'll agree. With the current GOP, we're going to talk about his column that is outstanding today. I've got it linked on the blog next. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the third hour of the show. I am your host, Mandy Connell, and joined, of course, by Anthony Rodriguez. And now, joined by GOP stalwart in the Colorado GOP for so many years, Dick Wadhams. Dick, I appreciate you joining me today, and I, I, I sort of put words in your mouth in the last hour, but this column really made me feel like you may be approaching the level of disgusted with the Colorado GOP. The column, uh, I believe it was, was it today or yesterday? I saw it today in the Denver Gazette. Today. Yeah. yeah, today's paper. And the headline is Colorado's GOP empowering the state's hard left. How do you feel about the party right now? Yeah. Well, it's been on a steady downhill slide, Mandy, since this new regime uh, got elected back in March. But it, it started before that, Mandy. I mean, listen, I I voted for Trump twice. I, I love so much of what he accomplished. But he has squandered that legacy with the way he behaved on January 6th, his constant insistence that it goes on even today that the election was stolen. Yeah. Um, he has squandered all that, and that has really damaged the party in Colorado. And then we elected these, uh, what I call clowns and buffoons, which that's exactly what they are as the leadership of the state party. And, and it's just, it's hitting its low point now. It, this, Dick, I said this last week, and this is the point you make in the column. Prop HH Light, the crap sandwich that was passed by Colorado Democrats right after people voted it down, it was passed because they know that they won't have to pay a political price because the Colorado GOP is such a disaster that they know they're not going to get elected. And that's that's why they're going to run roughshod. I can hardly wait, and I don't mean that in a good way, to see what's going to come out of this next legislative session. It's going to be a nightmare. And, Mandy, I point out in the column, as you know, that, that because of the leadership of the Independence Institute and Colorado, uh, Advanced Colorado Action, and then the one good part about the Colorado Republican Party right now, we have excellent leaders in the legislature. Uh, Paul Lundin, Mike Lynch, Barb Kirkmeyer, uh, Rose Puglisi, they really led the charge on taking on HH and defeating it. The Colorado Republican Party was too busy uh, talking about stolen elections and trying to steal the primary from unaffiliated. And so the good news is we do have elements on the conservative and Republican side that are, are, are doing the heavy lifting. But the part, but it, it, we really are crippled by this, by this uh, Republican party leadership that exists right now. Uh, the, the move by Ron Hanks, the failed oh. congressional candidate who is honestly like the looniest of the loony in the party. Uh, well, no, I mean, he and Tina Peters are like neck and neck, but it, he sent out an email asking people not to certify this last election, even though 
as it was, we could call that a victory for conservatives. The defeat of Prop HH was a huge victory. Yeah. Uh, what is the point yeah. here? I couldn't believe it. I, I'm, I don't know when you saw the email, but I was sitting around, like I think most people were, kind of the night before the afternoon before Thanksgiving Day and just doing personal stuff with family and, and stuff. And all of a sudden this email shows up from Ron Hanks, number one, announcing he's been appointed by Dave Williams, the so-called state chairman, as the Colorado Integrity Chairman or whatever. Oh, God. And that he was calling for members of state canvas boards around the state, county canvas boards, to try to stop in, uh, the, the 2023 election. Uh, results and it's like well we talk about looking a gift horse in the mouth yeah <laughs> we we just won this election and we're going to contest the results yeah it, it it makes no sense and the the ideological bent of the leadership appears that they would prefer to sit around and feel comfortable about how principled they are while getting their asses kicked um they don't care about winning elections no Right after the um, uh, the election in November, uh, Mandy, the state party put out a memo about um, Proposition HH, and they they and Williams went out of his way to compliment some like-minded legislators who, as far as I can tell, I don't know what they did to help defeat HH. I'm sure they voted against it, but didn't mention Barb Kirkmeyer, did not mention Rose Puglisi, did not mention Paul Lindeen, the minority Senate leader. The House Minority Leader, uh, Mike Lynch, did not mention Independence Institute, did not mention Advanced Colorado Action. Oh, no, he only mentioned his allies, his allies, which are about four in the state legislature. And um, it's just they, they, they really do. They only want this narrow little band of people that, uh, that they agree with. They, they think that is the way to win an election in Colorado. It, it, it's... I've talked to, and I know you have, Dick, I've talked to so many rank-and-file Republicans who are just aghast at what's going on, and they, they have no idea how to fix it. Mm -hmm. So what, what, I mean, do we have to, is there any chance that this leadership could be bounced out? Is there any opportunity for a political coup? No, well, not until the, the state party elects new leadership in March of 2023, 2025, I'm sorry. Oh, fantastic. Um, what this is the only thing we can have for, hope for in the short term. There, are, there are no statewide elections on the ballot except for president next year. Um, but like I say, we've got really good legislative leaders, and, and they will be recruiting candidates in some states that we can possibly win back. And, I, and I, as I say in the piece, Mandy, the exciting thing about HH's defeat is that it shows that if we can get past the the rejection of Donald Trump by a majority of this electorate, and if they can look at the issues, we could possibly win some elections. But, you know, when they when they read about this stuff, about Ron Hanks being our election integrity chairman, when they watch Tina Peters being criminally indicted in Grand Junction, and by the way, that trial is in February, I mean, they, it's just one thing after another that just makes Republicans look like a bunch of buffoons. Uh, 
Dick, I left the Republican Party when Dave Williams was elevated. I mean, I, I just, I was like, I'm done. But I'm so frustrated that I want to, I think I want to get back in just to go back in and raise hell. Is that what it's going to take? Is, is like normal Republicans who are tired of losing and tired of having no say in how the state is run? Because let's be real, we're so outnumbered in the legislature that it's like comical almost to think that Republicans can stop anything. And when I talk to people who say, well, the Republicans should have stopped, I, I ask them genuinely, how exactly are they going to do that? What, you know, what does, what do rank and file Republicans do right now? I know. Well, that's, well, I think pick out some strong candidates in this case for the legislature and also for Congress. The fourth congressional district is as an open seat now with Ken Buck stepping aside. And there are some good candidates, I think, um, uh, running in the fourth. Now, that's a fairly Republican seat. Uh, the third CD, as we both know, will have a very competitive primary uh, between um, Congresswoman Bobert and, and uh, Jeff Hurd, who's a, a new candidate. Uh, but there will be opportunities to get involved in individual campaigns, I think, uh, Mandy, that, that that will matter. in the great. Now, we're not going to win back majorities. We're not going to have sweeping victories. But if we could win a few seats with some strong legitimate Republican candidates. Uh, that would that would help us go into 2026 when a whole bunch of stuff is up. But this is the thing. The, uh, Dave Powers and his crowd have already telegraphed that they're going to be running primaries against Republican legislators that they don't like. So we're, this is going to be a, a re internal civil war for the next year, I think. Let's real quickly, I got to take a break here in a second, Dick, but I want to get your opinion on that CD4 primary. The Colorado or the, the Gazette in Colorado Springs just came out and formally in, endorsed Jeff Hurd. Uh, does he have a chance to unseat Boebert and does that give the GOP a better chance of keeping that seat? Um, yeah, it's the third CD. Um, oh, sorry about and, that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was a pretty powerful endorsement and totally unexpected yesterday, um, or I didn't expect it. I'm not involved with Jeff Hurd's campaign, I, uh, but uh, I, I think that was a huge boost to him. Um, Congresswoman Boebert, it's, it's kind of tragic, uh, Mandy, because she's, she entered office with so much promise, I yeah. think, and she has just methodically squandered a lot of that. And then, of course, the DCPA incident a couple of months ago, I think, was the real turning point. So um, I think it's going to be a competitive primary. That Democrat, Adam Frisch, has raised money hand over fist. Yeah. He's raised millions of dollars. I think he's in a strong position to win, possibly, in the general, which would be amazing, which would be depressing, actually. I think that he can be campaigned against outside of Aspen very effectively in the rural areas with the right candidate. But I think, to your point, Lauren Boebert did this to herself. And I think that yeah. we she's a perfect example of going to D.C. and sniffing the rarefied air and starting to believe your own press. And she has now believed her own press out of office, in my view. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I'm going to try and get Jeff Hurd on the show uh, to discuss this, because I do think he is probably a much better option for that race. Dick Wadhams, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Great column today in the Denver Gazette. I highly recommend it to everyone. Hopefully we'll talk again soon about happier news. You bet, Mandy. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, Dick. We'll be right back after this. working our way through a busy broadcast day. I have a bunch of stuff on the blog that I have not gotten to. If you want to talk about the unfortunate situation with Florida State University being completely shafted by the college playoff system, which is completely rigged for the SEC, I would urge you to go back and listen to the beginning of the show because I cannot talk about it anymore because I hurt my voice doing it because I get so angry.
so incredibly angry. Hey, A-Rod, do you remember when the mayor, who was not the mayor at the time, he was candidate, Mike Johnston, came on the show, and he rolled out this whole, we're going to do a bunch of tiny homes community. Do you remember me saying, how are you going to staff them? I asked him that question directly. He did not really answer it. He just kind of blew by it. But now we know, at least in part. The mayor, who, by the way, has uh, committed to housing 1,000 homeless people by the end of December. 311 have been housed so far. 311. That means 689 to go. Mayor Mike Johnston is asking for help to reach his target of housing 1,000 people by the year's end. Starting this past weekend, the volunteer initiative calls on citizens to sign up for shifts at various micro-communities and hotels where people are currently staying. Volunteer duties will include welcoming guests into their shelter, assisting with intake, and bringing their belongings into the shelter, among other tasks. Volunteers are asked to wear comfortable clothing. They don't mind getting dirty, sneakers, and a dress for the weather. There are two opportunities to take on a shift this coming week, Thursday, December 7th, and they have from 9.45 a.m. to 11.45 a.m. and from 11.45 a.m. to 2.45 a.m. that same afternoon. Locations will be emailed to volunteers two days before their shift. Volunteers are also required to sign waivers and watch an orientation video. This is not going well for the mayor. And I know that, you know, he comes on the show and he tries to paint a rosy picture. But every time they, not every time, but a lot of times they come in and talk about, you know, communities are pushing back against these micro communities and now, the staffing situation is obviously not what it needs to be. This is exactly what I was concerned about. This is why I'm in favor of a large campus type situation like they're trying in Aurora. Because when you have everybody in one location, then you don't have to worry about staffing a bunch of different locations. Now, if you are not following, um, let me see here. Let me make sure I got it right on Instagram. Let me go here. Let me look there. Let me make sure I got the right uh, thing here. Um, Do Better Denver is the website that is documenting all kinds of stuff going on in Colorado. And they published some pictures that were allegedly of a one of the rooms or a couple of the rooms at a family shelter. And they were disasters. I mean, they were absolute disasters they were garbage everywhere just stuff piled up all over the floor now children are living in these places um probably children whose parents are likely addicted or have mental health health issues and are not super capable of, of creating a safe and healthy environment for their children and allegedly uh the salvation army was basically uh, to asking employees who took the pictures trying to out someone for sharing the pictures that they shared you know until we demand and require sobriety and a move towards permanent sobriety it's going to continue the same way it's do better denver is the um instagram page and they do a pretty amazing job of shining a light on the addiction issues that we're dealing with the open drug use that we're dealing with the multiple overdoses many that end in death on the streets um, all over the city. And I, I, 
they pick on the mayor a lot, and you know they call him uh, Mayor Mike Meth or Mayor Meth Meth Mike. That's what they call him. I'm not sure that's helpful, but I absolutely understand it. When we get back, if you want to go volunteer, there's your opportunity. I've got more when we get back after this. Lucky for you, I enjoy the band Alabama because they're nothing like the scumbag football team that is unfairly in the college football championship. But what, what did Bama do we're wrong? Moving on. They, didn't, they didn't put themselves in over Florida Oh, State. it doesn't matter what Bama does. Oh, wait, no, it, actually they did because they won a big game. Yeah, they lost a game as well. And barely beat a crappy Auburn team. But that's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. Um, got a couple things on the blog I want to bring your attention to. One of them, this one's kind of a big deal. I, and this, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit intrigued by this. And I'm never for big government solutions. But I have long known that in order to win the pro-life argument with people on the left... You're going to have to do a better job convincing them and actually doing it of ensuring that women have a real option when it comes to continuing their pregnancies. And unfortunately, we live in a society where there are a certain percentage of men who have no problem telling a woman, I have no intention of being involved. Don't bother asking because and and don't tell me about child support. Okay, don't she can go up. Child support is one small part of taking care of a child 24-7 for, the, for, for 18 years. One small part. And most women don't grow up wanting to be a single mom. Some do. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are women out there who want to be a single mom because they feel like they can control everyone. But if you're a parent, uh, parenting is best done with two, with two people. It is a tag team sport. Because sometimes they will wear you out. And you need to be able to tag off to somebody else, right? And But that being said, I've, I've been wondering about a solution to how to make that happen. It's why that I've tried to support organizations who provide support and care for mothers who um, need it before, during, and after their pregnancy. And there are wonderful pro-life organizations out there who are doing God's work. And I worked with organizations in Florida that had residential facilities to help women Uh, Catholic Charities here in Colorado does an amazing job helping women with children, having children. And there are organizations out there, but they're too far and too few in between. And they struggle for funding, and it's a nonstop kind of thing. And they're able to help some women, but they're not able to help all women. Well, today or yesterday in the Denver Gazette, there's an article by two Democrats, Kathleen Houston and Dr. Thomas Perel. And the reason I say that they are Democrats is because they are from Democrats for Life, which is a pro-life organization. And in this column, and I would urge you to read it, there are a lot of answers to some of those questions, and they do involve, in some ways, the growth of government. And one of the things that is asked in this question is, out of all the things that there are no copays for, why can't childbirth be one of them? And I'm against insurance edicts that are going to raise the cost for everyone else. And I do think that there is a way to carve out, um, you know, people, once you hit uh, out of childbearing years, I'm 54 years old. There's, I'm not having another baby ever. That, that ship has sailed, right? Um, perhaps I move into a different pool where I am also paying for, you know, not paying for that. But I'm also moving into a period of my life where I am more expensive to cover because I'm more likely to get some kind of weird illness. 
the older you are, the more stuff that goes wrong with your body. But nonetheless, women are not getting good prenatal care because of cost. And there's holes in the Medicaid system. And so women often go ahead and terminate a pregnancy because they don't feel like they can get the support that they need. They can't afford it, right? So in this article, um, they, they offer a lot of different things. And, and I have to say, I agree with the, the concept that if we are truly pro-life, then we need to support the women that are pregnant. And I always say this to pro-life men. I would be in favor of passing laws that required men who impregnated women to uh, be forced to um, take care of that child 50% of the time. And if they weren't capable or they were somehow unable to meet that standard, maybe they don't know how to be a parent, then there's parenting classes that they can be forced to attend. They can be forced to uh, do a lot of things. They can't be forced to be a good dad, but they can be forced to participate. And I know that a lot of women would say, well, I don't want that. Well, then don't have sex with that person. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, at some point, we have, to, we have to start people thinking about the consequences of their actions again. Back in the day, I had this conversation with an older gentleman, probably, gosh, this was 10 or 15 years ago. And this man at the time was like 75. Okay, so he's now 90 if he's still alive. It's one of my old man friends from Louisville, Kentucky. And we had a conversation about he and his wife getting married. And he said, well, she came to me and told me she was pregnant. So back then, that was the only, you didn't have a choice. You just got married. And I said, well, did you, were, were you disappointed in that? He goes, oh, I wouldn't have had sex with her if I didn't want to marry her. He said, back then, you thought about stuff like that. You thought about, well, what if she gets pregnant? I'm, you know, I'm going to have to marry her. You didn't always think about it as long and hard as you should have, but you thought about it. It crossed your mind. Imagine if we told women, if you have a child with this man, he's going to have custody of that child 50% of the time. Do you think it would have an impact on some women? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say this to young women all the time. Like, if you don't, if you cannot envision that person being your father, then don't have sex with them. I mean, I know that's kind of weird to put those two things together, but you get where I'm going with this. Because if a man is incapable of being a father, then don't engage in the act that could create a baby with him. It's, it's interesting that I know people are delusional. And by the way, everything I'm saying would not stop every unwanted pregnancy. Because sometimes your judgment goes right out the window. And women have this innate ability to go, you know what? I see potential. I see potential. Yeah. Yeah. A-Rod, have you ever gone out with a woman and then thought, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I know she's unemployed and alcoholic and really has terrible, uh, terribly messy apartment, but I see potential. Sounds promising. Yeah. No, women do that. Women totally do that. I can see his heart. I can see it. his heart. His heart is good. I see what everyone else yeah, does. Sure, see. he's addicted to meth, but his heart is good. He's a project, but it's going to be my project. Exactly. And I'm going to nail it. Hashtag nailed it. Hashtag nailed it. So, yeah, uh, this person hit the Common Spirit Health text line. Yeah, but right now a father has to fight to be recognized as an equal parent. The system is so messed up. You, tr and you, you truly are treated like a sp sperm donor. Exactly right, Texter, and that has to be rectified. That has to be rectified. It's a huge problem, and I know so many really wonderful men 
who do not have the same relationship with their children that they would like to because the courts and an, a spiteful ex-wife have interfered. And I know both the men and the ex-wife, so I'm not speculating. That's a terrible situation, an absolute terrible situation. So there you go. Um, we're going to go uh, deep into the blog. That's on the blog. I'd love for you to guys to, to look at that. I mean, should childbirth and child care, or not child care, but prenatal care be free? I, I got to tell you, out of everything that is free right now, abortion with no copayment, yeah, I kind of think prenatal care is kind of a big deal. Too many women in this country where we have the most advanced medical system in the world still die in childbirth. And disproportionately, that number is African-American women. For some reason, it's because they're not getting good prenatal care. I don't know. I don't know what all the underlying reasons are, but that's shameful. That's terrible. There's a lot we still don't know about childbirth. When my daughter was born in fetal distress, it was very dramatic. And afterwards, you know, they took the placenta and they did all this testing to find out why she was. And, and the doctor came back and said, we, we have no idea why that happened. We have no clue. There's still so much about childbirth we just don't know. So there you go. Uh, now people are pointing out my verbal crutch. I'm not going to lie. I find that annoying. Why don't you sit on the radio and talk for three hours straight and then talk to me about verbal crutches? What do they say yours is? I'm not going to lie. Oh, I like I like that. It's, 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 um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's a punctuation. It's just letting you know that there's, this is very serious what I'm about to say. But thank you for that, Texter. Jerks. I'll take that under consideration. I'm not going to lie. Now, I would have said that if I was not lying, but I was just being patronizing. In which case, I was lying. So I wouldn't say I'm not going to lie and then, you know, lie. Defeats the whole purpose of the whole thing. Just throwing that out there. Um, Denver saw home prices decline 5%. This is kind of interesting. Now, the Federal Reserve bears a lot of responsibility for our housing market situation right now because a lot of people are sitting on interest rates in the twos and the threes, and they're essentially saying, I am never selling that property. I will use it as a rent. Now, the reality is most of us need to sell our property in order to be able to afford uh, the new house that we really want, right? So we'll see if that actually pans out. But it's created a housing shortage because nobody wants to turn around and buy another house at 7% when they've got a 2.5% mortgage right now. They don't want to do that. But what's going to happen, I don't know how long it's going to take or how long it's going to last, but we're going to see a market correction in home prices. And one real estate firm says a home prices will fall 1.7%. But where are they falling the most? Austin, Texas saw home prices decline 12.2%. That is a lot of money, especially if you moved to Austin when remote work was going on during COVID because you heard it was weird and cool. And then you got there and realized it's in Texas. Ew. So those people are going to take it in the shorts. San Antonio also on the list. It goes like this. Austin, St. Louis, Missouri, Spokane, Washington, San Antonio, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Portland, Washington, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, San Francisco, California, and then here we are, Denver, Colorado. 5.1% decrease year over year. 5.1. When people are going to be, and, and I really think, you know, we talked last week about these HOA fees skyrocketing. 
And I mean, skyrocketing, like tripling overnight, going from $300 a month to $850, $900 a month. That is going to force older people out of their homes because they're on a fixed income and they're not willing to throw that extra money. Well, if the market is tight right now and people can't afford to buy these houses, what's going to happen is if you've been in that house for 30 years, maybe a year ago it was worth $850. Well, now you've got, you know, you paid off the mortgage. So this is all profit for you. You're going to buy something else smaller for cash. You're going to downsize. You're willing to drop that price a little bit to get it sold, to get you out from under that debt, to give you that nice chunk of change where you can go and buy a smaller property, downsize into something that isn't as pricey for cash so you don't have a mortgage. These things kind of have a cascading effect. People have to move on occasion. People have to sell their homes. They get jobs in other states. They have family members that need help. They have to go. Those people are going to start taking offers, especially these cash offers that are never market value. I don't care what the commercials say. They are never remotely market value. Not even close. I just shopped the market on a cash offer for our condo. And the, the biggest one, the highest one we got was 20 grand less than market value. And people are going to start taking them because they just need to get out from under these houses. They need to get out from under these HOAs. They need to get out from under property tax bills. And it's going to create a really bad cascading effect for the rest of us. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the real estate market over the next couple of years here. And until interest rates finally settle down, there was a big scuttlebutt on Wall Street over the last couple of days, like the last four or five days, that the Fed was actually going to cut interest rates. But the Fed came out today and was like, uh-uh-uh. Don't get so excited. Don't get don't get so excited about that. We're not ready to do that yet. And if you think that rates are ever going to go down to 3% or 2%, I just don't see it happening in the next two decades. I just don't see those rates ever happening again. Not, not for a very long time. They're a big part of the reason why prices skyrocket on homes because people could afford a lot higher in, in that number because their payments were still so low. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's incredible how much those five percentage points mean when it comes to a mortgage payment. So there's going to be a market correction in real estate. We're going to talk to Ed Prather, I think, next week. He's on the show next week. Just kind of a, doing a state of the real estate market. We do it every quarter because even if you're not looking to sell, you need to know what's coming because it is going to affect the value of your home and your ability to sell at some point in the future. So all of that stuff is super important. I've got this on the blog as well today. It's from our friends at Fox 31. I'm trying to find out if there's anything else I wanted to get to today. Oh, oh, this is actually super interesting. So you know this big dog, Ryan Edwards just walked in the studio. Ryan, do you have a dog? I do. Are you familiar with this dog respiratory virus that's going around right now? I'm not. So we, we have to board Jinx over Christmas. And yeah. Portatella? So, no, it, they don't know what it is. It's oh. like a mystery respiratory illness. But what happens is the dog gets the respiratory illness. Then it becomes pneumonia and it's killing dogs. The pneumonia is killing dogs. Gotcha. So I talked to my vet and the vet's like, look, get the pneumonia shot for the dog. So we're doing that. That's a two-step process. But one vet in Iowa realized that everybody who um, was bringing their dogs in had recently had COVID. So he gave the dogs Paxlovid, the COVID mm. treatment, and it worked. Wow. And like brought dogs back from the death's door. Jeez. So interesting little side story right here that it's not COVID because dogs can get COVID, but Paxlovid seems to work mm. on this mystery dog illness. Very cool. 
So that story's on the blog as well today. So you got that going for you. All right. Um, Ryan Edwards, you know what time it is. Now it's time for the most exciting segment on the radio of its kind. In the world of the day. I actually hurt my voice today yelling about Florida State. Because I'm so... I figured you'd be a little salty about that. I am that. so furious. What do you say, Ryan? We're, we're split. What the committee got it right. Yes, sir! But it and the committee's mean, it, rules mean it, nothing. It, it doesn't mean... The entire season means nothing. It doesn't mean that FSU doesn't have a, a reason to be livid. I think they absolutely do, but the committee got it right. They won the ACC championship with a true freshman who had never taken a snap before, so and you're impressive. telling me they don't deserve? They can't win a national championship. Bingo! You Not don't know that, and neither do we, because Alabama, the whole thing is rigged for Alabama, so hey, I can't they even... they can just call themselves champions like talking. UCF. Stop talking. Just saying. Stop talking. Boy, I gotta talk. I have to do a dad joke now. Do the dad joke. I'm not going to laugh. Well, I, you are. <laughs> you are. Because I, I got to tell you, I ran out of toilet paper. Oh, boy. I, uh, I had to start using You can old, use your hot tape. No, I had to start using old newspapers. But let me tell you, the times are rough. Oh. No, I didn't laugh. Go ahead. What's <laughs> our word to. of the day? Oh, word of the day is a noun, and okay. it is... Aberdepoy. A-V-E-R-D-U-P-O-I-S. Obviously French. Aberdepoys. I have no idea. Aberdepoys. I mean, the opposite of poise. I don't know. Nice. I have no idea. What is that? It is a word that is synonymous with weight and heaviness. Oh, Aberdepoys. Yeah. Okay, there you go. In exercise, what does the acronym HIT stand for? H-I-I-T. I know. Hi, I'm Tom. I have no oh, idea. high intensity interval training. Oh, oh. You, obviously, you people do not do a hit workout. No. Well, some of us do. I'm just saying. Nope. The same people who are correct about the college football playoff. Anyway, <laughs> go right ahead. What is our Jeopardy category uh, today? The category today is salty. No, just kidding. It's internet slang. Oh, I thought it was people got robbed. There you go. Uh, FSU is num number one through five. There you go. Internet slang. Oh, gosh. Oh, ringing me. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Internet slang. A Spanish speaker might text his amigo ADM or Adios Mio, this in English. Mandy, what is Adios Amigo? No. I have no idea. It is, oh my God. Oh, okay. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. Someone trying to get your goat is one of these, just like the foe Mandy, of the Billy. What's a troll? Correct. Back to zero. RDV is a cool way to type this word for a meeting. What's a rendezvous? Correct. Oh, wow. If you're gaming with a pal online and he doesn't respond, it may be a case of LD. Ryan. Oh. Wait, that makes no sense. No. Of LD this dead? What? What does that mean? All right. No, I don't know. So I guess negative one. <sighs> I just want to eliminate it. No, I'm not. I'm, more, I'm not going to. No, this is dumb. No, no. It's too late. What is Link? Oh, okay. Nothing. I have no idea. Yeah, see, that was but, but he did ring in. So oh, I'm, yeah, I'm I, taking I, minus I, away yeah, minus for him. What's yeah. the score? It's uh, one to minus one. Darn. Well, Eminem knows that if you call someone a stan, it's not a compliment. It means you're one of these. Uh, I think I know, but I'm sitting on a pretty good lead right now, so I'm not going to guess. Yeah, and I think I know, too, but I'm doesn't really matter. What is an obsessive fan? Well, a stalker oh, fan. A stan. Yeah, stan, right. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was going to guess. That's so a weird one. Like me, a who's a Godzilla video. stan, but that new trailer looks god awful. I do not. There, I, I, that movie does not. I literally have no desire to see it, even if it was free. I will still see it because I'm a Godzilla fanatic like it crazy, looks but like it looks like a awful. Transformer movie. It does. It looks, it looks terrible. terrible. So that's, a you know, disappointing. Team Godzilla, though. 
for those. Oh, but they're teamed days. up now. Kong and Godzilla Whatever. are together. Man, you are just in a mood. I, I like am. It. I'm so. Oh, you should have seen me Saturday. Ooh-wee. I literally You're lost worse Saturday. My, oh God, yes. Ooh. Are you kidding me? Are you uh, uh, Sunday morning? Actually, Sunday morning, Sunday morning yeah, when Sunday it morning. came out. Yeah, I. I was. It was. It's just. It's bad. Anyway, what's coming up on your program? Three straight hours of why the committee got it right. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're gonna do. Uh, we're obviously gonna talk about the Broncos losing, and that's uh, a disappointing way. Certainly, a uh, game where they they had opportunities. They even had opportunities at the end of the game. Didn't quite yeah. uh, put it together. So we'll do that. We have Ian Rappaport joining us. So it should be a fun show. Ian Rappaport should agree with me. I'm just saying. Anyway, um, on that note, I will turn things over to KOA Sports, where you're just gonna get a bunch of garbage takes about the Colorado or the uh, college football playoffs. Apparently, from Ryan Edwards.